When we read about the Sabbath, when we read do not murder, okay, that, that one's pretty clear, and we know how to apply that one. Do not steal, got it. But when it comes to the Sabbath, Christians have debated this for centuries. How do we make use of this command? Some of them, some of us, some of Christians have said, right, since Jesus has come, now all days are the same. Every day is a holy day. Every day is a day for worship. And then on the other side of the spectrum, some have said that the Christian Sabbath, Sunday, right, ought to look exactly like the Jewish Sabbath did, sort of. That, that no work should be done, that no recreation, there should be no playing, but the whole day is to be spent in corporate and personal worship. And so if those are both ends of the spectrum, most of us probably fall somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, we, we don't really know, but we, we keep the Sabbath by, by going to church for an hour, but then we don't really know what to do with the rest of the day, or we're, there are some things we want to do, but other things that we don't know what to do, and we want a list of do's and don'ts, which, by the way, is exactly what the Pharisees came up with in order to hallow the, hallow the day, in order to make it holy, in order to separate it. Of course, when that happens, right, when the traditions of men are added to the word of God, usually those traditions end up trumping the word, right? They end up superseding the word in the lives of God's people. And so that's where confusion comes in. And so what we want to do today, very quickly, hopefully, is maybe clear away some of the confusion. Probably won't answer all of the questions, but maybe clear away some of the confusion and get, get to what the heart of the commandment is, right? We want to get to what what the Sabbath is there for, why God gives this command. And so let's let's start here. To Sabbath means to cease or to stop and therefore to rest. The Sabbath, if that were a verb, would mean to cease. Exodus 23, 12 uses three different words to describe the Sabbath. That first word is Sabbath, so cease. The second is rest, a different word for rest. And then the third is refresh. That's what the Sabbath was intended to be. A day to cease and to rest and to be refreshed. So we should say from the outset, the Sabbath was not intended to be a burden. The Sabbath was actually intended to relieve burdens. That's what it was there for. Okay? Which is why Jesus would respond to the Pharisees when they gave him grief over what he was doing on the Sabbath. He would respond, one, he would say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I own the Sabbath. It's mine. I'm God. I own the Sabbath. I'll tell you what I'm going to do on the Sabbath. And then he would say, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And when he said that, he didn't mean, so you just do whatever you please on the Sabbath day. What he meant was, it's meant to be a delight for you. It's meant to be a rest for you. You weren't made to worship the Sabbath. You weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made to help you. That's what Jesus meant by that. And we'll look more at that. So here's, but here's the main idea. What's behind that? Right? What, what's behind this Sabbath commandment? It's this. We can enjoy rest because God finishes his work. We can enjoy rest. We can receive rest because God finishes his work. What does that mean? 
One, right, in Exodus 20, God says we can rest because God has finished his work of creation. His work is created, and we'll talk about that. And then in Deuteronomy 5, and really through the rest of the Bible, we can rest because God finishes his work of redemption, his work of salvation. So we rest because God finishes his work. All right? So the first reason we're given in Exodus 20, and it points us back to Genesis 2, is that we are to work for six days and then rest on the seventh, and that means everybody, your kids, uh, your servants, all people who work for you, your livestock, even the, even the people who are visiting your home, sojourner within your gates. Everybody is to stop, is to rest. And the reason God gives is because he rested on the seventh day. He did all of his work. He created all of the heavens and the earth, and then he, and then he rested. Now, the Psalms tell us that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to rest. So why? Why did, and he could have, he could have done all of the work of creation in an, in an instant. In a big bang, if you will. Just kidding. Right? But he chose, he chose to use six days to build creation and then fill it with life. And then on the seventh day, after, after he had finished his crowning achievement, man, and set man over the rest of creation, after he had done that, he looked at all that he had made. He said, it is very good. And he rested. And he celebrated what he had done. Okay? And in doing that, the reason I think God did that was to give us a pattern. To set a rhythm to life. Right? Any, any musician worth his salt will tell you that the most important instrument in the band is the tuba. <laughs> I played tuba in high school and college, and so I know how important it is. Right? Because the tuba is the bass line, right? And so they are, they are the rhythm keepers. And if the rhythm keepers get off and the band loses its rhythm, it goes from making music to making noise, right? And I suppose the drums are helpful too, but really it's a tuba, okay? <laughs> so rhythm matters, right? When you don't have rhythm, you don't have music. You have noise. And that's exactly what God is doing in Exodus 20. He's saying there's a rhythm to the way life works. You've got six days. Six days to do all of your labor. And so really one of the implications of this commandment very quickly is that it teaches us how to work. Right? It teaches us that one, work is good. God gave Adam and Eve work before there was ever sin. What sin did was make work unbearable. It made work hard. It made it nasty. But before there was sin, there was work. All right, so work is good. And what that means is that when we have six days to work, we can make the most of those six days. Right? We work outside the home, inside the home, to the glory of God. Okay? We honor God in how we work. Not just in how we rest, but in how we work. Um, Martin Luther was famous for saying... Right, that the missionary and the milkmaid are on equal footing. Right, that, that, that one calling is no more glorious than the other, but that the milkmaid can milk cows to the glory of God. Her calling matters. Work, her work matters because it's done to God's glory. And so the question that the 
Fourth Commandment tells us to, to us is not do you work, but who do you work for? Do you work for the Lord? If you work for the Lord, right, then, then you're in the rhythm. Now, whether you're spent some time around college students, and so usually the first thing I talk to about co the college students and I talk about when we meet are the, are the problem of this rhythm, right? Set free from their parents' scheduling. All of a sudden, they don't quite know how to manage their schedules, and so they, they might go spend an hour in class and then spend the next six playing a video game, right? There's this, and, and then they're like, I don't know what to do now. And then when test day comes or a paper comes, they're stuck cramming it all in, right? Because the rhythm has been distorted. Or on the other side of the spectrum, that was me in college, by the way. On the other side, not everybody does that. On the other side of the spectrum, you have the workaholic who works and works and works and works and then crashes or burns out. Neither of those are the rhythm, right? Our cultural motto might be busy is best. Or some of you may have even said, right, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That is not the motto of God. That's not the rhythm that God establishes. Six days to work. Six days to do all your work, and then a seventh day to rest. And, and the reason why we work that way is that we are trying to prove ourselves by our work. Right? We are really trying to prove that we matter in the grand scheme of things. We are preoccupied with ourselves. And so we work like that, and it distorts the rhythm. And that's why we need the fourth commandment. We need the fourth commandment to remind us to restore the rhythm. To restore the rhythm that... Right? What, what the Sabbath is, is it's us saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that the world is not going to just fall apart if I don't do my job. And we, get, we, are, we push against that, right? right? We think, if I, if I don't send this email today, if I don't make this call today, if I don't visit this person today, if I don't make this sale today, says, cease, stop, rest, right? That's, we need, we need that rhythm restored in our lives. But then God gives us a deeper reason in Deuteronomy 5, and he says, right, he says, keep the Sabbath, again, the same commandment, and he says, remember, you were a slave in Egypt. And I brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And so what he's saying is, initially to the Israelites, when you were slaves, the Egyptians worked you like dogs. You are not slaves anymore. So don't work like them. Right? You are no longer defined the way you were in Egypt. I am your definition. You are not defined by your work. You are defined by me, and I'm telling you to rest, to rest in me. I have saved you. I've saved you to a different life. I've saved you to a new life. And so if we're going to bring this into today, right, we're going to say you, you don't belong to Brewbreaker. You don't belong to CVS. You don't belong to Merchants. You don't belong to Thompson Gas. You belong to me. I am your God. Your work is good, but it doesn't own you. I own you. I have rescued you. I have saved you. 
continue because God was taking them to the promised land. He was taking them home. He was taking them to the land of rest where when they dwelt with him, they would have rest from their enemies. Now, they would still have work. But they were always to keep this memorial day to remember what God had done in bringing them home. And that's where Jesus transforms the Sabbath. Right? Because as you may remember, Israel forgot her God and lost her home. In fact, she never rested in the promised land. She didn't follow the commandments. And so God had to do something else. God actually had to give us the reality that the Sabbath pointed to, and his name is Jesus. Okay? And so as already pointed out, right, when he would, one of the common areas that he battled the Pharisees was in, on this terrain. Because what they wanted was do's and don'ts. Here's what the Sabbath looks like. Here's what it doesn't look like. You can't, you can't do these things. And Jesus says you're, you're missing the point. To give you an example, in John 5, Jesus heals a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's longer than I've been alive. Okay? For 38 years, this man had been powerless to get on his own two feet and had laid near the temple begging for money. And Jesus heals him. And he says, pick up your mat and go home. This mat, who knows what it smelled like, right? This guy hadn't left it. Jesus says, pick it up and go home. The Pharisees see him carrying his mat that he had laid on for 38 years. And they rejoiced. No. They got angry. They got angry because he was carrying his mat on the Sabbath day. They missed that an invalid for 38 years had been healed and restored and were angry at Jesus for doing such work on the Sabbath. And what Jesus says time and time again is, no, that's the real work that needs to be done on the Sabbath. Because that's the work I've come to do. I have come to restore what was lost. I've come to push back the curse as far as it is found. I've come to bring light into the darkness and when a man is made whole, when a man is restored, that's a sign that the kingdom of God is coming. Christian, that's work we can do on the Sabbath. We ought to feel free to do good and right on the Sabbath. There's a work that restores, that makes whole, that brings the good news. That's, that work is always accepted. not only the Lord of the Sabbath, he's, he's the Lord who opens up the real Sabbath rest. Right? Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 talk about how the rest that Moses and Joshua were taking the Israelites into wasn't really the final rest. That it was pointing to a greater rest. That, that a rest, a Sabbath rest, still exists for the people of God. And the person who opened that Sabbath rest up is Jesus Christ himself. Right? Remember what we read for the call to worship. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and I will give you rest for your souls. How is it that Jesus can make that invitation? Because he's the one who said with his dying breath, it is. 
work that I have come to do, I have finished. So you can enter in to the rest. So what is the Sabbath for? What do we do with it? And I would use this illustration, right? It is meant to be for us an oasis, an oasis of, of grace and salvation in the middle of a crazy, hectic, sickness-filled, death-filled life. Okay? That's what the Sabbath is meant to be for us. We can rest from our work if possible. And that's not possible for everybody. Right? There are people who have to work on Sundays. I would still encourage you. The, the, the principle of rest is what's at the heart here. That work when you have to and rest when you get the opportunity. But rest in Christ. Right? And that's the second dimension of the Sabbath. That when we, when we come to the Sabbath, we can reflect on and worship God for what he has done and what he will do. There's a past and a future dimension to this. All right? when in, I guess, a little over a month, we will celebrate our 4th of July holiday. And really, a holiday holiday is just one word that means holy day, a day set apart. Our country will set apart a day to worship or to celebrate fireworks. No? Not fireworks. Not barbecue. Not the beach or the river. To celebrate our independence. To celebrate our freedom. All of those other things which are good are symbols of our independence. Like We can look at those and say, here is what happened in 1776. We are free because of what these great men and women went through and did, and so we celebrate our independence in those ways. In the same way, the Sabbath is meant to be our holiday, our day that we can reflect. Our day that we can celebrate in worship, right? And, and some, of, some, of us, some of us wonder, why in the world would you go to church twice in a day, okay? As, my, as my, uh, one of my seminary professors said, it's not about, do I, I have to go to church twice in a day? I get to, right? Their idea was, I can open and close the day, set aside, and worship, right? It sets, it sets my tone for the day, it sets my tone for the week, Okay? That is, um, that's what people are thinking when they, uh, with morning with morning and evening worship. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying there's more to it than just religious observance. Right? The Sabbath is our holy day. The Sabbath is our holiday to rejoice and remember what God has done. And just as the king celebrated over his finished creation, so one day, he will celebrate over his finished redemption. And the good news is that we are invited to celebrate with him in that. Right? That one day, sin will be finally defeated. Death will be put down. Satan will be no more. And there will be rejoicing. But until that day, God has been gracious enough to give us at least one day himself where we can rest and where we
we can reflect. That's not, that can't happen every day. But especially on the Sabbath day, we get to look forward to that day when the curse is no more. When death is no more. When evil is no more. God of rest and delight, you know that our, as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Lord, whether we are convinced that that has to happen one day in seven, or whether every day is a Sabbath day, it's not really the issue. The issue is that we find our rest in you. That we put away this preoccupation with self. And we come to you and have our souls restored. Oh God, may we, may we see what a delight it is to be in you. And how that one day, someday, our souls will be made whole. Our bodies will be made whole. And we will see you as, as you are. And we will see us as we were made to be. Know that we would long for that day every Sunday. And every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Come quickly. Lord Jesus, we ask in your name. Thank you.